This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hullatow. And as always, I'm joined by the awesome Sarah Nangama. Bula Dean and Bula to all of our listeners. Joining us is Iliseva Batipasanga. She has been a guest on our show before, but today she joins us as a guest host. Bula, Ili. Bula, everyone. Thanks for having me, fam. It's an absolute pleasure. Pleasure is certainly all ours. Just for a bit of context, Ili will actually be filling um, my place uh, while I'm gone over the next, uh, I don't know, four to five weeks uh, attending to some rugby duties, but you're going to be a fantastic addition and can't wait to see what you and Dean produce in my absence. Probably a lot of brilliance, to be honest. We've got a jam-packed show for you all. We'll be joined by Canberra Raiders, NRLW signing and PNG star Uravu. Things get a little bit stressful in it, you can ask that. And we'll also chat to Malatala Salanoa, a FIFA assistant referee from Samoa. Looking forward to that, Sarah. Been a big week for yourself, no doubt. We're going to miss you when you do go. But I'm looking forward to hosting the show alongside Illy. I'm sure we're going to have lots of fun. What has been happening with you in your week? Uh, Hala, as you know, always a bit going on. My uh, latest success is we do some speed training at, um, at, the, at, at Wallery's Training, and I hit 8.2 yesterday. That is epic. Nice, 8.2. So honestly, for all the sensors... In the Wallaroos fold, watch out. It's over for all of you. I'm coming for your position. What's what's the test for 8.2? Oh, it was, it's basically like, so over 50 metres, you just have to sprint to okay, try and yeah, hit top yeah. speed. Last week I hit 8.1. I was yeah. like, oh, it's been a minute since I've been back here. And then yesterday, 8.2. So oh. like, I'm just like the fastest lock in Australia, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the test there. That's Stop it. the test. It's <laughs> over for everyone. Um, what about you, Illy? What's been happening? Uh, this week, enjoyed the long weekend mm. in Sydney, had a staycation, and my mum was fortunate to visit from Brisbane. So we did the Vivid and did some shopping, so it was absolute fab to have her here for the weekend. That's fabulous. Vivid. Does it? Did, have you taken the kids to Vivid yet? Not this year. We've done it in the past a few times. But Is there um, like a, a Vivid but the Shire version? <laughs> you tend not, to keep the kids you know, local you know when there's there, big events. There, there is a, like a Shire Easter show, which is the big Easter show when I say it to my younger kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we save ourselves going to the, the proper big Easter show, but there's no Vivid in the Shire, so it's all right. Oh, well, you know what, kids, your dad's going to probably run it in the years to come, so he doesn't have to leave the area. Let's switch into sports mode. Football, the OFC Women's Championship League has officially wrapped up. Yeah, this was the inaugural um, OFC Women's Champions and uh, New Caledonia's Academy Feminine claimed the title. It came down to the last day and they were able to get uh, a really impressive win over Kolawale 4-1. It was their final match of the tournament, but uh, as it finished, uh, New Caledonia's Academy Feminine, they finished on top. Hikari United finished second. Uh, Kolo Ale finished third. So uh, they're the results, and great for uh, football to be played in that region. And that the whole point of the tournament was to increase exposure of women's football in uh, the Oceania region. And it's great that um, they're able to do so. Yes, absolutely well said. Switching over to Rugby Sevens and one of their local tournaments have just. Sorry, let me do that again. 
Switching over to Rugby Sevens, one of the local tournaments in Fiji has just wrapped up. Yes, the Morris International Sevens Tournament, a big feature on the Fiji Sevens stage. Um, Fiji Development Sevens took out that tournament, um, which will be a big, big boost of confidence for Ben Gollings, the national coach, after he's copped a bit of slack for not being able to win an International Sevens series yet. So he's for more more wins under the belt of Ben Gollings. Yeah, absolutely. He's been under a bit of heat throughout this season, but you're right. Domestic tournaments being won also means that the pipeline of players coming through is strong. So hopefully it does mean better results for the men because they can do a little bit better, as we both know. Now, sticking with rugby, Super Rugby Pacific quarterfinals took place over the weekend. The top eight teams were locked in over four fixtures. And the first one that kicked it all off was the Blues v Waratahs, where the Blues came out on top 41 to 12. Now, there was a bit of movement for the Waratahs. They had Tane Edmund coming at number 10. They pushed in. Sorry, Ben Donaldson out to the back. Um, But we always knew it was going to be a big, big task for the Waratahs to try and get the win. And unfortunately, they had all to say in about the first 20 or so minutes. And then after that, it was a complete Blues affair. Mark Talia, he was their standout winger. He has been the most impressive um, back attacking back for, for the Blues. And he certainly did not fail to impress. I tipped the Tars. Hulla, you tipped the Blues. So that's one nil for you, just for now. Because of my expert knowledge on Super Rugby. Yeah, because you've got heaps and heaps, man. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Now over to the Chiefs v Reds. Chiefs too good, Eels. The Chiefs were fantastic. It was a battle of the wingers with Suliasi Vunavalu scoring a double and Chiefs Imani Narawa was in everything. Uh, The Chiefs did look crisp with their ball in hand and it was number eight from the Chiefs, Peter Gus Sawakula. Um, sealing the deal with a late try, making it 29 to 20 for the, on the Chiefs' way. I love Peter. The story that no one asked for, him and I had a beard together in Auckland. It was great. <laughs> Again, the story that no one asked for, but you got it anyways. <laughs> I'll post it once uh, the Chiefs win. Nah, kidding. Brumbies are. Okay, cool. I'll just laugh by myself. <laughs> Uh, Crusaders v Drua took place on Saturday night over in Christchurch. It's very, very tough to win over in Christchurch. Crusaders, they are very familiar with competing um, in, in the finals. I think from 27 appearances on their home toy, uh, home soil, sorry, they have never, ever lost. But for Drua, they have won six games this season, which um, solidified their place against the Crusaders. And unfortunately for Drua, it was not meant to be. In the first half, Cody Taylor was absolutely outstanding. Set piece worked like... So well for them that they just, they opted for the line every single time and they just showed, I guess, their dominance, particularly when it comes to their forward pack, because that's everything that they build their game upon. Will Jordan, who is their fullback, he was outstanding in the second half, denied a try, but could not be denied the second time. So what this does mean is that the Crusaders will go on to the semifinals. But for Drua, despite their season ending the way that that it did, there is so, so much to be proud of for them to find themselves in the quarterfinals in only the second year of Super Rugby Pacific. Just sticking with Fiji and Joy, they did have their awards night where some of their key players were highlighted for their contributions throughout the year. The coaches player of the year was Tevita Ikinvari, which I thought was great. Players player was Isoa Nasalia. And the rookie of the year, which I thought was very fitting, was Asefa Masi, who was an absolute standout. So congrats to the boys and no doubt even bigger and better things to come for them next season. Now, the last fixture, Brumbies v Hurricanes. This had to be the match of the weekend. This was fantastic. It was a cracker. The Canberra Canberrians were out in force for the Brumbies' home quarter final, but it was the Hurricanes who opened up the scoreline first with Savia linking up with Naholo on the wing. 
Um, and then Len Ekitao for the Brumbies had a strong midfield presence for the Brumbies, slicing through for his own try halfway through the first half. Um, but it was the Brumbies' set piece that kept them in the game. But ladder in the piece, 84th minute, there Oof. was a controversial try or potential try by um, Adi Savia. Yes, it was pretty insane, those scenes. I actually was in Brisbane on the weekend at East Rugby Club. Everyone's packed up in the clubhouse watching these final minutes thinking, if Brumbies can do this, they're going to be the only Australian side. I have to say, I, do, I kind of thought it was a try. It was really unfortunate that it didn't come away. I mean, I'm hella happy that it didn't come away because it does mean the Brumbies do now go into the next round. But it was such a fixture to be excited about. Uh, 100%. And I think for all our Reds and Waratahs fans, are we thinking that we're now Brumby supporters? Oh, it pains me. <laughs> Your face, who, who wants to get behind the Brumbies? But no, we certainly will. We will. Every Australian fan now goes for the Brumbies because they're our only hoop, guys. Just pause. You cover so many kilometres. Were you in Brisbane last week? Yes. And you are talking about Auckland. Auckland was earlier in the piece, like a few months ago or something? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where, else, where else do you get to? Pardon? You go everywhere. I, yeah, well, I can't. I'm a single girl team. I'm not held down to this one state. I can do whatever I want. No, it's cool. I, I just went because I had no work on the weekend. Okay, fair enough. 36 hours. It was the most chaotic 36 hours of my life. Now, Sarah, this is a, a positive rugby story. Australian deaf rugby representatives travelled to Fiji for a two-day training session with their Fijian counterparts. Yes, it was all part of the Australian government's specific all sports program. This is, uh, sorry, the purpose of their, their trip was to celebrate Vuvali Week, which is essentially to celebrate the relationship between the Pacific nations and Australia, particularly our rugby relations, because there's um, a lot of it. But Wallabies legends, Radhika Samo and Lottitangiri went over and um, held some workshops and was just around... Um, some rugby players, and they are preparing for a World Cup, and it was great to just be there on the ground, celebrate these players, and um, just bring some good spirits, really. That's a great story. Great yes. to see you. And, and, and I, I have spent a bit of time with Lottie, and he's a, a great fella. He's the biggest dodo. So I'm going to say it on air. And Lily, come in on this one, because this is your family. He is dodo. Look, the man can run a good line. He can score some tries. His decisions after rugby are questionable, but look, we he, love him. he's a legend. We love him. We absolutely love him. Now, something that I guess hasn't necessarily been the most positive of news, and we've spoken about it before in this show, is about the Fijiana Drill players. We know that they were a little bit mistreated, particularly throughout the Super W competition. But their captain, Sarema Lewanangila, she spoke out on social media earlier this week about lack of payments from the FRU. Yeah, and it it seems to be a common theme with the FRU that if the girls aren't performing, then why should they get paid? But that's not the point of it. Like these girls have put their heart and soul into this game, into every match they played in the Oceania Pacific Games. And I think it's only fair they get what they're promised. Yeah, absolutely well said. So I'm sure there is more to be said. The FIU haven't actually officially released a statement in response to her post, but we absolutely stand with these girls. We know that they've been through hell throughout this past test season and the least that could be done is to pay them exactly what they are due. Now, switching over to the NRL, there's been lots of rugby chat, but round 15 took place over the weekend. It was round 15 and uh, there was some blowout score lines, but also some really tight contests. And one that was particularly exciting was the Dragons versus the Rabbitohs, 36 to 30 at uh, Jubilee over at uh, Cogra there. And it was uh, a jam-packed day. Andrew Moore and the team were there to call it. And it was um, a sellout crowd. So really awesome for the, dra- for the Dragons who have been struggling this year. Obviously, they've had some turmoil with coaching and whatnot, but they're able to 
get a full crowd up into the stadium and the game traded leads a number of times. The Rabbitohs finished fast, but it was the Dragons on top, as I said, 36 to 30. Plenty of Pacifica players once again featuring on the try scorer's sheet, including Jaden Sewer. He's held up one metre out from the South Sydney line. 20 minutes gone, 20 minutes left, second half. St George of the Warrior by four and they're on the attack. Hunt goes right to Sewer. Got straight past the defence of Dean Hawkins. Did it easily. And Jaden Sewer, who's having a spectacular day, gets the reward with a try. Now, I wanted to highlight Jaden because I feel like he, he may be a little bit hard done by in terms of uh, he's forgotten about, I guess, in origin terms. Like he, mm. He's played for Queensland before and I think he's a... Uh, He's had an excellent season in a, in a pretty um, average team, but uh, he, he's been playing really good footy of late. He featured in the points uh, for the Dragons on the weekend in the ABC Grandstand Player of the Year. So unfortunately, he didn't make the Queensland side, but he continues to perform well for the Dragons. The other match that I'll, I want to chat about is the Roosters v Panthers. Uh, I played at this one. I, I played at this you one. You played? <laughs> I can't come back here. I called this game alongside <laughs> Brett, Sprig, Brett Sprig and Ruan Sims. Um, the Panthers were far too strong. 30 points to six. Um, but I, I wanted to bring this game up because it was quite a bit of argy-bargy in this one. And it, it was at the end of the game or towards the end of the game, Jared Wairea, Hargraves and uh, oh, Spencer Lenu, they went at it <laughs> in a um, in a bit of a scuffle. Jared is always in the thick of things. But, Shock um, me, Jared. Yeah, Jared. They both got 10 in the bin for their efforts. But <laughs> Jared threw a water bottle when they're having this uh, melee at the end of the game. Everyone was in and there wasn't any punches thrown like there never is. They're pushing and shoving and he squirted Spencer with a water bottle to kick it off. And then Spencer got really angry, crazy eyes and all that sort of thing. And then um, Jared's thrown the water bottle through the middle to try and hit Spencer. Jamin Salmon's there just trying to like hold them apart. He got hit straight across the head with the water bottle. <laughs> Poor Jamin was uh, in the middle of it. But um, yeah, the Panthers fast, far too strong uh, and leading into origin. It was uh, an important win for, for them. No shock there about the Panthers showing their dominance against the Roosters. Now, the biggest headline that has come out of the NRL this week is, dare I say, the best band in our age will be headlining Origin Game 3. Yep. 660. No surprise who the best band is because everyone everyone loves 660. I love 660. I'll be going just to watch the band. Guys, that's just the union in her speaking. <laughs> that is the union in her speaking. It's a great get butt for the NRL because they are so popular. They've been around for a while, but they're very popular now in Australia. I think they've been popular in New Zealand for such a long time, but people are starting to catch on quickly in Australia. Oh, I love them so much. And um, it, it's going to be huge to have them at Game 3, as you mentioned. Now, before that happens, we've got Game 2 coming up next week, and it's up in Brisbane. New, uh, New South Wales are one game down in the series. So traveling to Brisbane, it's always a tough task for a, for a New South Wales team, but um, they've made some changes to their squad to, to, to go up there. Obviously, Nathan Cleary is out with the torn hamstring. Mitch Moses comes in to replace him. Um, they've made a few changes through the forward pack as well. Damian Cook in for Api Kuroisau, who's um, gone down with his injury as well. On the bench, Stefano Tukumanu, who I think has earned his spot, Tigers front rower, young up and coming. He's very similar to Payne Haas in the way that he plays. Big so unit. Very big unit, good engine, uh, moves well. I'm looking forward to seeing him get his go. And then Reese Robson onto the bench for the for the Blues as well as extra cover for the Hookers. For the Queensland team, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Nanaya, he's back uh, in the back row. He had a great season last year for the Cowboys and got his opportunity to play Origin. Uh, he returns, which is a big in for them. But this is going to be a tough game up there in Queensland. Yeah, it certainly is, and we can definitely speak from experience. Not at the easiest trot to go up there, but I think Queensland have a lot of confidence, particularly with how they closed out 
game one. So a bit to look forward to. Plenty to look forward to. Now, up next, it's Talanoa time. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us for Talanoa time this week, we have Uaravu. She is a player with the Canberra Raiders, uh, re- represented the PNG Orchids three times, and we're very fortunate to have her on the show. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, if you could share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, what brings you to us today. Um, so I'm from Papua New Guinea. I was born in Papua New Guinea, and I came over to Australia when I was about one years old. Um, my dad played rugby league, so he got come, brought over here to a little town called Leeton, New South Wales. Um, but yeah, I live in Griffith now, so that's about 45 minutes away from that. So southwest New South Wales, Australia. So um, country girl um, in the big city. <laughs> Well, talk to us a little bit more about your relationship with your dad. You mentioned just before that he played league as well. So is there a lot of knowledge sharing and a lot of back and forth when you're playing? Um, well, there was. My dad passed away when I was about um, 18 years old. So that, that's been a bit tough, but he's been like my biggest motivator. I feel like I play for him um, each week and um, it motivates me to do well because he brought us here to this country. It's um, sort of an ode to him that um, I'm making it up here. So, um, yeah, no, that's pretty special. Yeah, that is special indeed, and that's a beautiful story, Ua. I just want to know now, um, and for our listeners out there, how does a country girl from Leeton rise through the ranks and represent her country, PNG Orchids, and then now Canberra Raiders? Um, I don't know how, how did that happen. I, I sort of um, was in touch with, who was I in touch with? David Wesley. So he was um, running a... Um, I forget what it's called. It was in it was in Queensland somewhere. It was a little um, Kokomo. It's Kokomo Nines. So I went up and played there, and he sort of, um, I feel like he sort of um, saw me play and um, saw potential in me, and yeah, um, picked me for the World Cup Nines. And um, from there, I played a Test match, two Test matches in Papua New Guinea against England, um, and sort of got my foot in the door there. And um, yeah, so last year, um, yeah, I sort of maybe mentioned in the like to be in the squad I didn't make the initial squad but um I was a shadow player and then um one um unfortunately for one of the girls but fortunate for me um uh she had to pull out and um yeah got the call up from Ben Jeffries and yeah it just all started from there and um yeah that's a pretty cool story take us a little bit deeper into your journey um as an orchids player what was it like for you to represent your country particularly knowing how you started out in your journey with your family and then I guess doing a full circle, going back, putting on that jersey and then representing everyone that helped you get to where you are. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like it helped me connect with my family a bit more. Like um, we we were living here um, for a while. We couldn't go back because of um, like mum and dad's like papers. We were trying to get that sorted. And once that was sorted, we only went back about two times. So it was really nice for me to go back and um, see, see some of my family that I hadn't seen in, in years. So yeah, that sort of helped me connect with my, my family and culture back home. Um, and yeah, no, it was really nice, like, um, to represent my country. It was, it's sort of like, I don't know, I haven't had a lot of, um, like connection with my culture. I feel like I understand the language, um, but I don't speak it that well. Um, I try, but, um, yeah, it sort of formed a connection between yeah me and my, my culture, which is um, really great. When you're in um, the PNG side and, and you talk about trying to understand your culture or connect with your culture more, is there um, any any of the players that really tried to help you understand more about yourself and maybe teach you some some language? 
Yeah, so I, I, already, I already understood the language like growing up. Um, so I, that's how I could connect with them because they could speak and feel comfortable and I could just reply in English and hopefully they understood me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, my, my roommate, Leela Mullabog, she played number seven for PNG Orchids um, this last year. And, she, yeah, we'd just be in the room together and I'm just like, don't laugh at me, I'm going to speak to you in pidgin. Um, and, yeah, she just sometimes she'd laugh because obviously it was funny, but, like, um, yeah, she really, she really helped me sort of feel comfortable speaking. But then when I come back to Australia, it's sort of different. Like you don't have as many people speaking it, so you just go back to your, your comfort zone and speak English. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty brave for you to even try your hand at it, particularly if you're not in an environment where you constantly get to practice the language. For those joining us, we are chatting to Ua Ravel. She is one of the inaugural signings for the Canberra Raiders NRLW team, and you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Well, we've just mentioned a little bit about your inclusion in the Raiders squad. It is the new, well, one of the newer teams in the NRLW competition. Talk to us about how you're finding your feet in Canberra and how pre-season is going because we know it's never easy. Uh, so we're not allowed to use the C word, C-O-L-D. So it's been really, really <laughs> Can I say uh, it? You can say it. Cold. They're not allowed to say the word cold. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been really hot. <laughs> last last <laughs> night, I was sweating so much. <laughs> the ice baths were tip of the iceberg. <laughs> um, but yeah, the training's been pretty. It's been pretty tough. I've been learning so much. Um, there's so much um, uh, experience. Like we've got a good um, range of experienced and um, new players come into the group. So um, it's pretty good. Like we respect each other's experience levels and. Um, like where I feel comfortable as a new player to ask questions, um, ask questions to the new, like experienced players and like they're, they're happy to um, help me out. So, yeah. I love that. How is Shayel robbins Retty? Because her and I actually lived together earlier this year in New Zealand playing Union over there and then she's come over to NRL. But she, she's spoken to me a little bit about Canberra, but I want to let, I want you to tell me what she like in a team environment. Yeah, I think she's really, really good. Like she, you can tell she's been in a professional environment before. She's one of the leaders in the group, even though she hasn't played NLW. She's been, she's been places with um, rugby union. So um, yeah, no, she's really, really good. Um, she lives like three houses down from me. So yeah, they come over sometimes and yeah, we're planning to have some dinner parties and stuff like that. <laughs> she's a great cook. So make her cook for you. She cooked for me the whole okay, time, yeah. Christchurch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got to know a little bit about uh, the playing side of rugby league, but also you work in the game as well uh, as a development officer. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I started working as a GDO last May, I think. So I've been in the role, or I was in the role for about uh, maybe 13, 14 months before I come up here. So now I'm up here, while I'm up here, I'm just being casual, um, just helping out the guys um, up here at the Raiders and um, yeah, just joining in at Gala Days, riffing and things like that. It's been pretty, it's been pretty relaxed, but um, yeah, it's good to get out and do stuff other than playing or training. So get your mind off the, off of it. So, yeah. Oh, well, I'm intrigued when you're not on the field training and you're not working, what will we find you doing? Like, what do you do to kind of switch off from the game and just, you know, attend to self-care club? <laughs> um... I don't know. It's not really much that I do outside of I mean, there's not much to do in Canberra, I know that, but... Yeah, because it is so hot. (laughs) We've sort of been to Westfield, like, a lot. Not buying shit, just... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, play on, sis. That's play on. That's play on. (laughs) 
not buying things, but just like window shopping and yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, and just lastly, the NRLW, it has been the most impressive thing to see expand so quickly the way that it has. For you personally, where would you like to see the NRLW in five years' time? Um, obviously, I'd like to see more teams. Like that would be good. Like there will be a lot more experience by five years' time. Um um and yeah I think I think it's just going to grow and grow from here like I know there's a like we went to a rookie camp um last week and yeah there was so many new players um that were yeah um exposed to like everything we need to know about NRW and like we learned about the history of it and so I think I I think it's only just going to get bigger and better from here yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, there's a lot of growth left and looking forward to see uh, where the game goes. My last question is, do you have any advice for young athletes? Obviously, your path to where you are now is quite unique, um, but I'm sure there's a, a number of young people out there that maybe come from similar situations and want to progress through to play in elite level uh, rugby league or, or any sport, really. Um, I just want to say, like, patience is the best thing. I know I'm 26 years old, starting out as an NRLW player, um, so I'm not the youngest, but I'm not the oldest. I'm sort of like it's at a good time in my life. Um, and I'd, I've always wanted to do it since it first started. Um, but I just, there was just never that right moment for me to get my foot in the door. And I feel like it's the perfect moment for me. So I feel like, yeah, just patience is the key. And I'm um, just waiting it out. That journey, that's your own journey, your personal journey. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Uwa. That's fabulous advice for our listeners out there. Um, now, next we've got our little segment that we like to call tip on it's a series of rapid fire questions and you just need to shoot out the first answer that comes to mind after i ask you the question are you ready nope (laughs) (laughs) sounds good to me here we go first question what have you been binging binging um on netflix i've been watching firefly lane yes good okay next what is your coffee order uh, I order a lactose-free latte. Who is your most annoying teammate? Uh, annoying? Oh, I don't want to say anyone. <laughs> Who could be? <laughs> Who's got potential? No <laughs> All right, next one. Who is your sporting hero? Sporting hero. Um, I don't really have one. Okay, what would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh. Um... <laughs> What gets you fired up, pumped up for a game? Um, just playing loud music and just being sort of crazy. Catching a vibe, catching a vibe with all the teammates. <laughs> what is your? What was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, I liked um, Lilo and Stitch. Nice, cute. Who in your team has always on their phone? Always. Oh, Elise. <laughs> Elise Smith. <laughs> and what's something you could eat for a month straight? Um, I could eat pineapple pie for months straight. Delish. Pine I think pie. I could as well. <laughs> Firefly Lane. I love that show. Do you watch it, Hala? Haven't watched it, no. You haven't watched it? I've seen it on. I've walked past the TV where my wife's watching it, but I haven't stopped. It's a great show. It really is. <laughs> Well, it has been so, so incredible for us to um, chat with you. We really look forward to seeing you don the green jersey and head out with the Canberra Raiders later this season. But all the best. And, um, yeah, we look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you so much, guys. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? 
Uh, this is a segment that we absolutely adore on this show. And this week we have a question from Marley in Sydney. This is relative to all of us because I'm sure all of us can speak to it. But what is your best coping mechanisms for stressful slash big games? Ellie, I'm going to come to you first. Yeah, there's nothing more stressful or... I think, daunting than an international test match, especially against, you know, world number ones, whether it be England or New Zealand. And I think the week leading up to that in training, you're just going through the process of, okay, Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, but then it comes to captain's run on Friday and game day morning, the nerves start to creep in and you start to second guess yourself. And it's just like, that's the time when I think for me, what works, I need to remove myself from the situation. I take myself on a walk and a stretch. And then I say this mantra in my, in my mind that my father gave to me, which was, I can kick, I can pass, I can run, I can tackle. And I just keep saying that over and over and over until I believe it. And then I'm ready to go. That's really powerful. What about you, Hala? I like the structure of that. That's that's, that's really good. Um, I'm a little bit uh, more on the like the preparation. If I if I do something extra during the week before a big game, like so, if I put extras in the bank, I know that I'm ready to go. It's just kind of in the back of my mind. But on on game day, as the game gets closer and and that game day anxiety sort of starts to creep in, I do the same thing. I'll go for a walk, try and keep the routine the same every every time. And this is I'm going back a long time ago when I used to do this. Still relevant, um, but yeah, try and keep the routine as as, as similar as possible. Um, I think as I got older and had kids, I realized that the routine didn't always stay the same because things interrupt and things things change. So you still got to be able to adapt. But taking myself for a walk was always a, a really good one in preparation for the game. Um, during the game, if something went wrong, if there was stress in the game or something went wrong, my first thought was, what's the next best thing I can do? That was always where I went to. So if I made a mistake or something went against us in the game, recognize it, acknowledge it, get rid of it. What's the next best thing I can do? Um, that was kind of the, the way, the trigger that I had in my head to, to move on uh, in stressful games. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Even though you're retired now, you have moved into the space of commentary. Have there been any stressful games you've had to call? And what have you done to kind of cope I, in those moments? There was a game where the great Andrew Moore um, started feeling a bit ill during the middle of the game. Like, so he's calling. Oh, and he's a play-by-play commentator. And he's play-by-play. Luke Lewis is next to him as co-commentator. I'm on the sideline, sideline eye. And Andrew goes, "Uh, I'm not feeling that good. This is live. I'm not feeling good. I've got to go, Dean, take over. And just jumped up and ran out of the out of the box. No way. Wow. And, I, and I'm on the sideline at the 20-meter line, Ralph Tucker, our producer, sitting next to me. I think I'm pretty sure Dennis was in the um, – Dennis Carnahan, who's our, one, of, one of our wonderful sound guys. Uh, he's in the box next to Louis. And I've looked up and I could see Louis. This is the Central Coast. And Louis, like, put his hands up in the air. And I've gone, uh, okay, so I started calling the game. And it was South Sydney versus uh, the Storm, I think. From memory, oh my gosh. I started calling the game from the sideline, the twenty meter line, and it was like pretty average, like because I'm one deer in headlights, um, <laughs> and two, like I've never called a game before, play by play, uh, so that that was quite stressful. But I kind of don't know, just sort of clicked in the gear and just started calling exactly what I was watching. It was very monotone, it was very flat, but you did the job. They scored a try too. So South scored a try and I called it like very, very flat to try. They moved it to the left and they scored a try. Oh, they scored a try. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, Louis, Louis called the kick for goal. So I like that. And then Andrew came back in and 
<laughs> he came back in. He was, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, was, bless uh, Maury. It was a funny moment. But Adapt anyway. or die. That's exactly Good what question. he did. Yeah, Adapt or die. I, didn't even, I haven't thought about that for ages, but that was funny. No, it's, I'm yeah. glad I asked. Uh, just for me, best coping mechanism for stressful big games, my, I guess mechanism is in my preparation I kind of this is only a practice I've adapted lately the 80-20 so I plan my week on a Sunday and then 80 percent of my training week is focused on the things that I know I can bank every single time and then my 20 percent are areas that I know my work on so that could be extra tackles it could be extra passing Illy here is my best training partner when it comes to that um so that by the time I get to Friday we get to captain's run big believer in closing the book because by the time you get to captain's run, you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. And you won't carry anything else extra because you focus so much time and energy um, on your 80-20. So for me, the power is in the preparation. And then just thinking about like stressful times in games, which certainly do arise, um, you know, I've, I've experienced at international level is I, I try and just like touch my hands. I just like kind of clasp my hands because then it grounds me. Like I'm here, my, where my feet are is where I am. And then it's a text that I have um, inked on my skin permanently and says like, I'm the woman in the arena. And it's just to affirm the self-belief that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm here where my feet are. And like, I'm perfectly, perfectly capable of doing it. But yeah, the nerves certainly do come around, but luckily you have good friends and good people like you too, that you can just call or cry to. There's been a lot of tears, right guys? You've, you've both seen me cry about games, but that's a story for another time. Story for another time. Um, to all of our listeners, we would love to answer any questions you have. Feel free to hit us up on Instagram. My handle is at Serenangama, Dean's is at Dean Halitau, and Illiseva's is at Illiseva B. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh my god. Woo! You're with Sarah Dean and Illy talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials. But up next, we talk to Malatala Salanoa, a senior football referee, about the triumphs and challenges of refereeing in Samoa. Joining us for Island Life this week, we have Malaitala Salanoa. He is a senior referee with the Samoan Football Federation and a FIFA assistant referee, and he joins us today to talk about refereeing in the game of football in Samoa. Well, Tyler, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, firstly, I would like to thank to Heavenly Father for his protection upon each and every one of us, uh, because without him, we can't do anything. Um, I would also like to thank you, uh, hosts, um, and the Radio Australia for this wonderful program, which gives us the opportunity to address some of the um, football refereeing developments happening in Samoa at the moment. Um, so before I start, I would like to briefly um, introduce myself. Uh, my name is Malai Tala Salanoa. I'm here from villages of Fatsuia and Sapapali in Savai. Uh, most of my life period was in Savai. Um, then finally, I moved here in Upolu to continue my education at the National University of Samoa in 2012. So at the moment, I'm 29 years of age. Uh, it's been 10 years now since I involved in football, uh, but I didn't start straight away as a referee. Um, I started as a player, um, started in our village uh, football club here in Fatsuia. Um So later on, I started to join um, as a just play and fun football uh, volunteer along with other coaches at that time. So we used to train kids with basic skills of the game, such as, you know, passing, control, and etc. So there are some courses as well for 
uh, just play and grassroots for coaching at that time, which I participated a lot um, to help me not only to improve my career as a coach, but to help me learn more about football environment. So I have never had any, any experience in terms of refereeing at that time until I've got a chance to officiate some um, games for the, our youth national league, uh, such as under 12 and under 10 at that time. That's where I started to blow the whistle for the first time. So it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling for me, to be honest, to officiate games for the kids. But at the same time, I started to have that confidence, you know, to speak to the kids and coaches um, um, during the game. So, yeah, um, that's more basically about my backgrounds. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, football in Samoa and, and how strong the game is? Is there a lot of participants um, playing the sport in, in country? Um I started in FFS as a just um, a play development officer in 2017. So later on, uh, the CEO at that time promoted me to another position, which is the referee development officer to lead a referee program in 2018. Um, but before I know exactly, it was a challenging job for me. You know? At that time, I didn't have much resources such as teaching materials to teach our referees, but I was trying. I was trying really hard to seek assistance from um, our boss in OFC uh, of uh, Shania Football Confederation, Mr. Kevin Stodzenkamp, um, with the assistance from our other OFC referee instructors as well as other experiences uh, referees from FIFA. So before I started um, in this area, I already know the job is very hard and it's so much challenges because I have watched games where people always put the blame, like our National League as well as just uh, for examples uh, where people uh, put the blame and complaints on referees when it comes to crucial decisions, you know. Uh, but that doesn't stop me from trying uh, because I have seen this challenge differently, you know. For example, when it comes to um, crucial decisions where referees have mask and uh, disagreements with the players, um, I didn't take what people but other people see in the situations where players shouting and committing, you know, a sporting behavior towards referees. But I was looking on the opposite side, which is a very interesting one, um, where referees use their personalities and body language to control that um, and deal with different situ uh, situations in the game. So it was very interesting, you know. So now I'm still involved in referee department, but not uh, aren't, um referee development officer anymore, but as a referee technical instructor, uh, due to one of uh, FIFA criteria where you cannot take the RDO position where you, while you are holding the FIFA patch because I'm currently um, FIFA assisting referee um, um, at the moment. So, um, but at the moment, locally, we, we, myself and Maria, who is one of our FIFA female um, assistant referees, uh, so we work together. Uh, so I'm working on the technical side, while Maria is working on the fitness side, um, just to develop and help our local referees. So yes, so my job is basically focus on theoretical sessions in the classroom to make sure all referees have the same understanding and um, same concepts in regards to the laws of the game. In terms of uh, competitions at the moment, um, it's 
this is one of the challenges, um, to be honest, because the, the level of the competition is not really on that level with other um, MAs competitions such as Solomon or the stuff. So this is one of the challenges for us referees because we want we and uh, we want and we expect that kind of level so that we can you know improve ourselves also. So that's one of the, our uh, biggest challenge that we have um, uh, faced at the moment. But yeah, but uh, we keep on, we keep on trying and do our own routines, uh, preparations, every match. Uh, we um, take it. Every match is very, um, it's a final, even though it's different divisions, but uh, we still um, keep it as a final so that we can uh, improve ourselves from from match to match, yes. Such interesting insights. For those joining us now, we're chatting with Malatala Salanoa, a senior referee with the Samoa Football Federation, and you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. You've spoken about how your role has changed from being an assistant referee to now being having, uh, sorry, to being more in a classroom focus. Have you found it hard um, to try and get people interested in being a referee or I guess is is the interest overflowing in that sense? Um, at, at the moment... Yes, that's one of the biggest challenges um, for us here in Samoa. Uh, because in football, uh, a lot of people focusing on only uh, playing, playing and coaches, not really much on refereeing. Uh, but the way we try to help and try to encourage some more referees. So once we get a chance, because we have our daily workshops and all the stuff so once we uh, because we have invitations everyone are invited so once they came in that's where I I and uh, some of the experienced referees um, in FFS try to motivate uh, motivate because I, I think the other like I mentioned before uh, I think people see uh, referee is not is not a easy easy task so I think that's one of the big challenges for them that's maybe it's hard for them to come as referee, to come into being a referee. It's because of that uh, mentality. Yeah? So, but the, um, some of the, the, the majority of our referees in a moment is on the age group of um, um, 18, 18 to 20, 29, 29. So, a lot of these people from 20s, they all, they already, um, they start learning from 17, 18. So it's, it, uh, um, it seems, it seems they're young, but they learn from a long term. They, they learn from um, years ago, uh, three to four years ago. So they are having that confidence, but that's um, like I've always shared to them. Um, the more confident, the more the more knowledge you have, the more confidence you officiate and speak. Yeah. So even any um, crucial decision you make, where everyone comes to you, you have that confidence, which it's hardly found because you uh, you, you learn you learn for a long time, and you know that's why it's you always come and you always have that confidence. So it's um, I think that's the key that that's the. Um, uh, one of the challenges, but for us, for us, we we try to to, to use as uh, as the um, chance as much as we can for those who want to come in and you know we to to, to help and uh, to 
um, to assist them in terms of uh, becoming a referee, good referee. Yeah, that's great insight. Thank you, Malaitala. Um, it sounds like referees just have to be just as tenacious as the players um, with a good backing of training. So you've mentioned confidence. Are there any other characteristics that make a good referee? Uh, I think it, it's a lot. Uh, but for me itself, um, it, in order for someone to be a good referee, uh, you need to know how to respect others first. You need to how to respect others. Um, you also need to, you know, love to socialize with other people, you know, try to share your experience, other stuff. You also need to be flexible, you know. Uh, sometimes something happens, you always go like this, but you, you have to seek your uh, surrounding, you, you, the environment, so you can adjust. Huh? So that's one of the characteristics. You also need to have a good discipline as well. Discipline covers all the other aspects, like, you know, training. Uh, you, you have to discipline your, um, the way you eat, to discipline how to sleep. So all those aspects that, you know, if, if, you don't, if you have a good discipline on those stuff, you, you, you will become um, a good referee. And also you need to enjoy. That's another uh, key point. Yeah? You need to enjoy what you are doing. Once you blow the whistle, once you get inside the field of play, you have to enjoy yourself and all the uh, uh, with your colleagues that you are officiating in that game. So all these characteristics will help become a good referee. Um, I know we have a lot. We have a lot of characteristics which makes us a good referee. But these are some of my own uh, important ones we uh, anyone can use on the field and off the field to improve um, themselves. That's really good advice. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, wonderful to hear that those sorts of things are what make up a, a good referee. Enjoyment is uh, is probably one that a lot of people don't associate with refereeing, but it's, it's great to hear that. <laughs> Malatala, thank you very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? We wish you all the best um, with uh, getting more referees into um, refereeing the game in Samoa, and we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Ily, Sarah, time to jump into the socials. We know we uh, love looking what's going on online. And Sarah, what do you got for us today? Oh, mine comes from the Crusaders Instagram. Georgie Bauer and Sevi Reese, they're unfortunately injured, which means they're out of action for Super Rugby Pacific Finals. However, they did not forfeit the opportunity to get around their boys and be the ultimate hype man. They put on some bike suits, they had a speaker, they had a microphone, going around the gym and just bringing the energy. You can just sense from the audio the hype that they're bringing to to the to the to the boys. So I just uh, I thought that was I rate that you know getting around your team when you're not being selected or you can't actually be selected is is pretty special stuff, particularly in a finals prep week. For sure, and you can't not get a PB with that hype around you. I know. That's great. That's really cool. I I really enjoyed it. What about you, Lee? What did you find? Well, this week I found um, something from Flow Rugby on Adi Savia. Mm. I did mention earlier that there was a controversial try in the Hurricanes quarterfinal Um, and Captain Courageous was interviewed um, at the end of the game. He's a big man with big feelings and let's see what he has to say about it. On that last play, you definitely got your body height the lowest. Did you feel you definitely got that down? I scored it, brother. Um, 
it is what it is, man. I, I'm gutted, but honestly, brother, I'm, I'm just truly grateful and blessed, bro, to be here and um, play this game for my club and my team. So, um, pretty special moment. Um, but yeah, it's good. Oh man, you really feel for the Hurricanes, and I'm, I'm, I back Adi Savia five, ten metres out from the try line, but unfortunately it is what it is, and Brumbies are through to the semis. Well, like you said, big man, big feelings, and, yeah, we do love Artie. What about you, Hala? What did you find on your two minutes on Instagram this week? Funnily enough, I've stuck with rugby myself. I was on the Super, <laughs> Look rugby, at you guys. The super rugby Instagram, <laughs> and this, this flash pass, it was uh, Natoa Akoi, who plays for the Chiefs. He was talking to the commentators about his fingernails. He's got painted fingernails, and I thought it was pretty cool. He was sharing uh, where it came from. Yeah, well, my son wanted yellow, and then my daughter wanted pink. My son started off running red, and I was like, yeah. And then he's like, no, daddy, yellow, yeah, yellow. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I have no idea if this is going to work. But, hey, they like this rugby club much a kissy. So, um, hey, what do you reckon? I don't know. I can't actually see myself in the camera. But Pretty cool. Yeah, I like hey, it. Going, no, hey, it going. works. It works. <laughs> Seems like a bit of a character, actually. I like him. I actually enjoy that. Do you paint your nails? Uh, my kids do sometimes. I haven't done it for a while, actually. Can you? Can I please commission you to get your nails painted next week? Yeah, sure. Australia? I'll do it. Amazing. Yeah. We love yeah. it. <laughs> ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Sarah, as we get towards the end of the show and the end of the week, obviously there's lots of sport coming up this weekend. What are you looking forward to? A lot of sport coming up this week, but none more so important than the Super Rugby Pacific semifinals. Last year, fixtures are locked in and the Crusaders v Blues will kick all the action off on Friday. This is going to be a huge showdown. The Blues have to travel down to Christchurch, which I keep saying it's a hard, hard place to win. But these are the games that you really do gear up for. And this is Crusaders prime time, dare I say, um, come this time of the season. What's most exciting about this is that the Blues are almost back to their full strength side. Caleb Clark, he returns to the wing and the Crusaders remain hugely unchanged. Sam Whitelock, who has been a standout for them, has actually, as of last week, he wasn't included in the fold due to an Achilles injury. So they're keeping their locks the same. Um, And the best thing about this is I genuinely think, and I don't know if this is a bit rich and a bit forward, I reckon whoever's going to win this is actually going to win Super Rugby Pacific. Ooh, that's a big call. Is that a big call? No, I think that's fair. But equally, yeah, right. Yeah. But equally, it's that being said, Rico Wane, he's going to be kidding up for his 100th game. And Hoskins Sututu, who's off Fijian Heritage, is gearing up for his 50th. So you've got players returning to the fold. The Blues showed so much dominance against the Waratahs. They did not let the Waratahs in on any side of the ball. And I think the Crusaders showed such great form against real great patience as well. And I think all of those things will put them in good stead for a huge fixture this weekend. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And the next semi-final that's coming up on Saturday night, David versus Goliath kind of matchup um, with the Chiefs ranked number one and the Brumbies ranked fourth. Oof. This is in Hamilton, 5.05 p.m. Um, so no doubt the Cowbells will be going off as the Brumbies enter the stadium. Um, we're looking for the key matchups in this game. You got Battle of the Tens steering the ship from the Brumbies is... Depressini. He was outstanding last weekend. Outstanding, yes, he was. But then you've got the magician of Damian McKenzie for the Chiefs. So, mm. And he was just leading that back line around like there was no tomorrow, um, leaving nothing in the tank. So the Chiefs, they've got their slick hands and a fabulous kicking game with him at the realm. Um, but then, you know, the Brumbies bread and butter going to set piece. You can't stop a Brumbies more five, ten metres out from the try line. So can the Chiefs keep them out of that game? And the other key matchup is uh, from Brumbies, the eights, Pete Samu and Peter Gus Sawakula. That is huge. 
That is really, really huge. That's going to be one to watch for sure. That's crazy. Pete Samu and Gus, they're two really big humans. I think what um, Pete Samu probably has over Gus is how dynamic he is. Gus is, I feel like, a traditional eight picks, runs, hard lines, whereas Pete Samu, I feel like he has a bit more of an engine. He does have an engine, but, you know, you can't go past Gus as well. He does have that Fijian flair about him. Oh, you just got to plug the Fijian fabulosity. Is that even a word? We can make it a word. Yeah. Well, there's – so you've got Gus. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got another three Fijians actually featuring um, throughout this week, and you've got Hoskins Satutu. Yeah, you've got Amoni Narawa on the wing for the Chiefs, and he was actually quite instrumental in their quarterfinal last week. But you've also got, don't forget about Rob Valentini. Oh, how can you forget Rob Valentini? No one can ever forget him. Huge matchups. Massive. Huge, huge matchups. I actually can't wait to see this all unfold. Enough about rugby. Over to the NRL. We hit round 16 this weekend. Yes, we do, Sarah. And uh, the games that I'm looking forward to, Friday night, the Cowboys at home to the Panthers. I'm looking forward to this one because the Cowboys have had a little bit of a resurgence uh, in what's been a, a pretty up and down year for themselves. They're playing against the Panthers, who are going to be minus their origin stars. So I'm expecting uh, the Cowboys to lift and, and get a result there. On Saturday, the two games that I'm looking forward to, the Knights versus the Roosters. The Roosters are on tilt. If they don't win, mm. they're... Um, their finals campaign and whatnot, it, it really takes a big hit. Uh, and again, they're without um, a, a number of their origin stars. And the Knights have been enjoyable to watch this year. And, and they obviously have their key player in Callum Pong are still on the field during this origin period. And then the last one on Saturday that I'm keen to watch, the Eels versus Manly, only because this is always um, uh, always a big match um, between these two teams. Plenty of points scored. Again, the Eels without Mitch Moses, who's got the call up to origin. I still think they're um, going to get the job done against Manly who are out without their halfback in DCE. I can't forget about next Wednesday night, which is going to be Origin 2 up in Brisbane. Um, this is going to be a big, big task for the Blues, but I cannot not back the Blues being the New South Welshman. So I'm on the Blues. What about you two? Illy, I'll start with you. Look, I'm a Queenslander, so you can't Boo! be Queensland Boo! in Queensland. Nothing better. Nothing better, she reckons. We've beat Queensland in Queensland. Queensland have never won against us, but that's in a different code and that's totally irrelevant to what we're talking about right now. I'm going for the Blues. Yes, Sarah, Blues. Blues, Blues, Blues. Don't forget, you can catch all the action with Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team on Radio Australia. That brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. I won't be here. However, Illy certainly will be. So don't forget, you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. More there. What's all here? More there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.